0: But in life, our stories and what God has done in our own lives is usually the most powerful thing as well because nobody can take away your story. Nobody can take away that testimony and the power that you've seen firsthand in your life. Sometimes that is the greatest evidence to there being a real God. So what we'll do is, if you've got your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to be in uh, verse 1. So let's take a look. So verse 1, it says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, and that's how we meet on Sunday to have church. Right? They used to always meet on Saturday right, for the synagogue. They still do. Why do we meet on Sunday mornings? Well, that's when they went to the first day of the week. That's when the tomb was empty, and so they thought it was a good day to meet them. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Interesting, you had two women showing up, some faithful women. And they're also, uh, you know, one of the few that were there at the cross to actually see the crucifixion. So it says in verse 2, there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord had come down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Right? I got that one underlined, highlighted. He is not here. He has risen. Just as He said, come and see the place where He lay. Then go quickly and tell His disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see Him. Now I have told you. Verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, where they will see me. It says, While the women were on their way, some of the guards went to the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him. Right, it's a popular way we explain it today. Verse 14, If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. All right? So nothing new back then. What are we going to do? The tomb is empty. Come up with something quick and we'll give you some money too spread the story somebody stole the body and so one of the reasons why this resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday however you, you fall on that side of the fence he is risen nonetheless and one of the great things about it is one it's proof that Jesus is who he said he was he's actually God he was able to conquer death it was not a thing for him in fact there's a verse in the Bible that says oh death where is your st- oh death where is your sting Death, where is your victory? Where is that? We don't have that anymore. Jesus has overcome that. And the second thing about it, Him rising from the dead, is that it fulfills Scripture now too. So now we see truth that's evidence in the Scriptures. Because in the Old Testament, it said that this Messiah, that this Savior is going to come, and He was going to die for our sins and be raised again on the third day. And even Jesus Himself predicted it when He came. And He kept saying, Hey, listen, I'm going to die. I've got to go to the cross. I'm going to be handed over to these people. And they didn't even really get it then. And we'll kind of close with more of that this morning. But all of these things come together, and we celebrate it all. I mean, if He, he never rose, sure, certainly wouldn't see Calvary Chapel Naugatuck here today, right? I mean, there's just no reason for faith then. No reason. If you can't conquer death, I mean, what do you got to believe in? What kind of God would that be? So what we're going to do? We're going to pause from this story. And we're going to have some people just come up and kind of share their life a little bit with Christ. So what we're going to do is we're going to have uh, Chris and Wendy Michelson come up and share a little bit about uh, how God has been. Kind of a unique twist. Also, a little bit their lives individual, but as a marriage. It's kind of nice to see where God has taken them as a marriage and the way He's used them and touched them. So if we give them a nice, warm applause, nice round of applause as they come up. And I think this should be all set. Is this on for him?
1: Let me take that? No, okay. Good morning. Um, Jared asked Wendy and I to keep this to 45 minutes or less. So I'm really thankful they took the carpet up and they made it sticky. That way nobody can head for the door without us hearing them. Um, I'm Chris Michaelson. This is my wife Wendy. We're from Seymour, Connecticut, and we've been married 31 years now. So I'll let you guys do the math. And you can make some estimates as to how old we might be. Um, We have two grown children. Our oldest son, Ben, is 29. He serves with the 3rd Infantry Division at Fort Stewart in Savannah, Georgia, and is actually in the same uh, Infantry Division as uh, Jared and Julie's uh, sister and brother-in-law, the brother-in-law that serves there. Our younger son, Andrew, is 26 years old. He's with the 25th ID, and uh, unfortunately, he's stationed on the island of Oahu in Hawaii with his wife. Is really a tough place to be serving. Um, to give a little background um, on myself, I was raised in the evangelical free church um, from the time I was an infant. My uh, actually great grandparents came over from Norway. Um, my great grandfather and six of his brothers came and actually started the church in New Haven, and that was the church I was raised in. Um, so I became a believer in Christ at a very early age, and um, I guess mainly because of the environment I was raised in. It was simply what you did. And, you know, I had a grandmother who was very influential in my faith and went through most of my, you know, early childhood and into my teens um, adapting and adopting the beliefs that my grandmother had. But that kind of changed a little later on. But I did see from an early time, an early perspective that there was tremendous value in committing my life to Christ simply because I understood that the wages of sin are death. I could see the difference between Christ followers and non Christ followers. And I knew I wanted to be a Christ follower because of the hope that it gave me just in this life and in the life to come. Uh, so I let my wife share kind of what her background in history is.
2: Oh, okay. Um My name's Wendy, and as Chris said, we've been married 31 years. So uh, background, I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church, and I also had a grandmother who brought me to church every Sunday, and if it weren't for her, I probably wouldn't have been a churchgoer at all. So I'm so grateful for that. But um, we were married in our early 20s and had a very sort of typical life uh, have had our two children, and and things seemed to go along pretty well for quite a while. Go ahead, jump in there. Okay, <laughs> I'm not telling the story. You are. <laughs> okay.
1: All right. Um, one of the things Jared asked me to share, or asked us to share, was you know how did I commit my life to Christ? And again, during my teen years, I guess, and in the early parts of our marriage, um, I knew that committing my life to Christ meant. Um not simply going to church. Okay? I was part of a bigger church. Um, But I learned that committing my life to Christ meant more about learning what Christ, you know, how Jesus Christ lived his life. You know, how he aspired to be, you know, how he was sin-free and how the rest of us try to be. And You know, live a life that honors God and the promise that He gave us, which is we're celebrating today, which is eternal life through Him. So, we had left the larger church and we became part of a smaller home church, which is why I feel absolutely comfortable here, because this was about the size of the church we were in for almost 10 years. And during that time, we developed relationships with people and families, and we got much closer, and I could see firsthand what it meant to live a Christ-like life. It wasn't the picture that I saw on Sunday mornings of people going into and out of church, but it was the day-to-day grind that you and I all experience of really having one foot in this world, but yet we have another foot in a heavenly realm, and we're torn by that. But to see the hope that comes from having relationships with other people and having accountability to live that better life was something that really inspired me, and that was the reason I committed my life to Christ. As Wendy said, and she's really gonna, she is gonna tell the story this time. <laughs> we um, both professionals, you know, we're always workaholics. We fell into this, you know, whole New England thing of work, strive, etc. And we did that at the expense of our marriage um, to a very large degree. And about ten years ago, eleven years ago. Um, our marriage basically went splat. And if you think you've had a hard time in your marriage and you think it can't get any worse, talk to Wendy. So she's gonna share with you a little bit of maybe how we got there and how God helped turn things around.
2: Okay. um, As he said, we've, we've been married for 31 years, so often people ask me, wow, how do you do it that's really amazing thirty one years what's the secret to a long marriage and my answer is usually well i guess i guess we're just really lucky because um, because if we both wanted a divorce at the same time things would have worked out a little differently i think but uh... as it turns out that wasn't the case and uh... uh... uh, as chris said about eleven years ago um, The marriage was by all human measures dead in the water. The pastor said so, the Christian marriage counselor thought so, we thought so. And um, as I look back on that time now, I realize um, that it had to be that way, that um, sometimes you have to lose something precious before you can start over again. And that's where, where we were. At least that's where I was. And uh, I think Chris was in the same place. So 11 years ago, I find myself in this place where I believe my marriage is over. And um, I've got nothing left to, to do except maybe call myself ex-wife. And um, God was very close to me at that time. He made his presence known, and I knew he was there with me. So it, it, while I was in that place, that's when I realized now that's where God had to have me because that's where he got my attention, and finally, and he could do some work with me. So he started to teach me some things, um, you know, what's necessary for, for a good marriage. Everybody would, here would probably say, well, you need mutual respect, you need ability to compromise, maybe a a few shared dreams, but there's more to that, and I I needed to learn what that was. So he started teaching me some things, and I just thought I'd share, if you just allow me to just read a a passage from scripture, because Paul says it better than I ever could, as he was teaching uh, the believers in in Philippians 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And so what God was teaching me then was about humility. And Chris will attest that I still have a lot to learn about that, but as we um, go along, from that point forward, he, he really did begin to teach me more and more about giving up my desires for the desires and the needs of another. And the really amazing thing was at the same time that he was teaching me that, he was teaching Chris the same thing. And so we were able to come together uh, at that point and just bow our heads before God and that's when he did an amazing miracle and and what followed was really a resurrection (laughs) of a dead marriage back to life. So um, I don't know if you yeah. want to add to that. Yeah. I, I okay. just, you know, I, yeah, I at don't that think point, at that point, we, we experienced God's miracle and it was a resurrection. Yeah.
1: It was true. It truly was miraculous. And I guess our both our sin, uh, major sin up to that point was pride. Mm-hmm. We got married at a very early age. We were independent of everyone, our families. Um, You know, we were both professional. We had jobs, so we were financially independent. And pretty much we built everything on our own strength Mm -hmm. and for our own glory. And a picture that Wendy had of our marriage, which was perfect, was as though it was a a beautiful vase that had been broken once or twice, and we had tried to put it back together with crazy glue. But it could never be right, and it was never perfect. And it wasn't until Jesus Christ actually took that vase and shattered it. Mm Into a million pieces, so that it was beyond repair. That he was able to create for us in our lives, in our marriage, something that was truly beautiful and of his creation. And we both succumbed to that, and bent on our knees individually first, and then together. That's when God truly worked a miracle in our lives, and it's. Um, I think it's just a testament to His awesome power. You know, so much greater than anything we can imagine. So we've been faithful to god's call to us and now he's calling us to something new so we're trusting in god we have a academic tutoring service that we both uh... own and run and it's been very good to us god has blessed us tremendously even in this economy and we're gonna leave it in two months we're gonna move to north carolina where we don't even have jobs and. We're trusting that God is opening doors for us there. He's opened every door along the way since we made this decision last summer, and uh, at the end of June, we're heading down to North Carolina just awaiting what God has in store for us down there. And a verse that, you know, became mine 10 or 11 years ago, God laid on my heart for this very reason I've always been too driven, OCD, and an overachiever. But God gave me a verse that actually I had on my t-shirts when I was running a construction business. It's Colossians 3, 23 and 24. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And I keep that in mind every day when I go off to work now. Because it's not by my own strength or my might that I have anything or we have anything that we have right now. And so I just give all the glory to God and thank Him for this wonderful day today.
0: A marriage that's dead in the water. (laughs) Nowhere near dead in the water. I like the illustration of the vase being shattered like that. That one will like... That sticks. So next we have coming up Clarissa Ortiz and she's going to come up, share a little bit about her life and what God's been doing in her life and where he might be taking her. So welcome up, Clarissa Ortiz. (laughs) Thanks, guys.
3: Hello. Can everyone hear me? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, my name's Clarissa. I'm from uh, South Jersey. One thing you should know about me is, <laughs> <laughs> I tend to cry. <laughs> I get that from my dad. <laughs> okay. I think I might need some things.
0: Sure. okay I hang out here with you? I hang out up here, with or...
3: out up here with Yeah. <laughs> um I was raised in a church. Um you know, the church I grew up in. I was a uh, the same church my mom she um started going to when she was very young. She started going with her aunt. Um so it's the only church I, I really knew. Um I grew up as a Spanish Melanite. Um that it's um uh, our you know, our our base beliefs uh were similar to um you know the Amish, uh, except we're more modern, you know, we uh did things differently. Um similar to uh Pentecostal. So it's kind of a mix. Um but when you add Spanish to it things kinda get a little uh <laughs> a little uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh if I cry, that's okay. Um, I'm always laughing most of the time. So if I chuckle, you know, it's a... Uh, if I chuckle or cry, it's because I'm joyful. Um, and if I just get excited, well, that's just, just the Spanish church coming out of me. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, growing up, we are always in church. My mom, uh, she was always singing. My dad... Um, Was a co-pastor. He was always uh, teaching. uh, You know, that's the life I knew Uh, in the middle of uh, grammar school. um, I think uh, we were uh, a little wounded by the church and, uh, you know, our roles and I think um, things uh, definitely changed, but, you know, we continued to go. Um, You know, we trusted that God would uh, do his handiwork. Um... So we continued to serve him, and my parents continued to um, raise me, you know, in the way of, uh, you know, the ways of God. I had gone to Catholic school my entire life, so really, you know, it's almost as though I was raised in the church twice, (laughs) but, um, you know, um, being, uh, going to school, Catholic school, and being of a different faith, um, I was able to... uh, not only strengthened my faith and my beliefs, so, you know, I was able to recognize differences, and I was able to learn. And, um, most of my friends, you know, to this day, all my friends at home, you know, uh, they're from the Catholic Church, and, um, we, um, I did some things differently, but, um, it was nice that, you know, they knew who, uh, they knew the name of Jesus, and that was cool. So, it made things easier. Um, you know, I went to a, and after high school, I went off to college about an hour and a half away from home. Which isn't too crazy, but it was good enough. If you knew my parents, you know, that was, woo, everyone in our town was like, wow, that's awesome, that's, you know, wow, you're letting her go, that's so, that's so great. Uh, I went off to college, I played a deal softball for Rider University. Um, and my entire life, God has kept me. Um. I've never really had to struggle with so much. Um, his covering was always on me. And, um, you know, I had a, a strong background. And um, my parents always taught me, you know, you know you're know, you different. Um, you're a child of God. Um, you have different standards. And, you know, there are different expectations of you. And I understood that. And I accepted it i lived in, I've always loved the Lord. Um, it wasn't until college that it was almost, um, you know, I wasn't as, I was vulnerable to different things. I was exposed to different things, I was, you know, um, you know, mommy dad, they always kept me safe. And it wasn't, um, you know, until college that I felt like uh, I really uh, grew, I guess you could say. When I went to college, you can say my life was—I'm uh, going to talk in, ter- in terms of soup. I've been thinking about it all week, and uh, it finally, you know, made sense. I'm going to um, use this to uh, share my message today. Um, when I went to college, you know, I had a good soup. I had a, a good stock. Um, I accepted the Lord, you know, as my Savior from a very young age. He always kept me. So going to college. My life, my soup, I had a good broth, a good stock. Um, My parents, they taught me how to, you know, keep an eye on it. You know, I knew what to do. You know, I had to pray, stay in God's word. Um, You know, when you go away, and you're vulnerable to different things, there are a lot of things that, um... You know, college for me was was almost like a supermarket. I could grab anything I want you know, and I could throw it in my soup, (laughs) you know, not... I knew uh, the consequences so I, you know, I was uh, as smart as I could be and there were things I knew, you know, they were not for me and I wasn't going to let them in my life. Uh, um, uh, One thing for me, it might not be... um, uh, it might not be a struggle for someone else, but for me coming from where I grew up (laughs) It was, it was really tough and I was, um, I would go out, I never um, drank or anything like that, but still it doesn't matter. You know, um, I needed, I needed, uh, things were, things were uh, tempting and I, I wanted to go party, I wanted to go dance, I went. you know, my teammates we were always together and um, it was very easy. Um, it was, uh, everything was very accessible. But um I always you know God was always uh tapping at my heart and He would uh you know always call me back and saying, Hey, you know, look at your life, you look at your soup, it's um you came in, it was just broth and you know it was some chicken, some chunks of chicken and you know I had gotten that chicken, you know, when I accepted Lord, the Lord is my savior. So when I came to college I had my broth and I had my chunks of chicken. One of my college roommates, um, she uh, always have a joke. I always said, oh, I was raised in the church. Like, you know, those things. I can't really give you a, a really a good story, you know. My testimony was I was raised in the church. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> you know, she uh, she got to know the Lord uh later in high school so when we met in college you know she was very fervent you know she kept an eye on her soup and um, you know I admired that and I looked at her soup and I said oh wow you know that looks good I just have chicken broth and some chunks of chicken you know and I've been raising the church and this is all I got and look you have a stew but I didn't realize you know uh, until our friendship grew and she shared with me you know how you know she got that stew so, uh, God continued to work with me and you know, I still struggled, I still, I still wanted to part, you know, I wanted to go out, I wanted to have fun. Um, so, it was kind of like, oh well, I looked at my soup and I finally had some carrots, you know, I had some celery, you know, things are coming along and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. But, you know, God, He was always tapping, you know, He was like the head chef and He said, look at your soup now and I said, Oh, I'm sorry. You have carrots in it now, and I have <laughs> onions. and I didn't mean you know I didn't mean for that, but you know, God is a God of renewal. And he's like, all right, we can work with that. So uh, we began to work with that, and um, you know, I calmed down, and you know, things that were enticing. when I first started college weren't so enticing anymore. And um, so, uh, you know, I continued to stir and watch, you know, my soup. And uh, I was uh, as diligent as I could be until uh, I think uh, my junior year, you know, uh, I met some celery. <laughs> and, uh, you know, mom, mom and dad always thought, told me about that celery. <laughs> and I didn't see anything wrong with that celery you know, I thought it was cool, it was fun, it was exciting, nothing wrong with it um, you know, and uh, that salary um, you know, I call it a saga from beginning to end, it lasted about a year and a half and it brought me to the end of college, past graduation so I graduated in May 2009 and then um, in June, you know God said, oh, you know, let's check out your soup, you know, he was tapping he said, "Let's, you know, let's look at it." And I said, "Oh, there's some celery in there, <laughs> you know. Um, my, I wasn't diligent with my soup, um, you know. God didn't have my heart. I spent so much time and um, effort, you know, trying to uh, with um, that celery soup. I guess I don't know." And I said, "You know, that soup has potential, you know." I you know, I want to work with it, and uh, you know, God was a uh, tap in. He said, "Hey, you know, um, I, you know, I want to get you ready for a, a competition, and you know, that soup, you know, doesn't belong, um, doesn't belong next to you, and um, you know, I had it was tough, but." um you know, I asked for God for mercy, I asked him for strength, and you know, um, I got rid of that celery, and uh, it was hard. <laughs> I think it was harder than um, what anyone else knew, and uh, I think it's um, something that my parents are probably uh, realizing, you know, it's probably new to them, hearing this, but it took a lot out of me. Um, I uh, after I graduate, when I graduated college that, that um, senior year of my fall, or fall of my senior year rather, I had uh, applied to dental schools because I always wanted to be a dentist. And um, end of spring, about April, um, I, didn't get, I found out I didn't get accepted to any. And I thought, you know, well, what's this about? You know, my life has always, you know, you've always kept me, God, and I've always trusted you so it was a hard hit and um... it was some pepper in my soup and i said oh i got carrots (laughs) i got onions, i have celery now you're gonna throw some pepper in there what kind of soup is this? this is ruined you know but um... god's again you know i've always trusted god and he's a god of renewal and um... whatever you bring to him he's gonna make it wonderful And. So I decided grad school was the next best thing, and that's what's—that's uh, why I came to Connecticut for grad school. Um, but um, you know, it was a place that God had to bring me away. I think, um, so I was able to uh, learn how to take care of my soup again, and He um, would be able to revive me. Uh, so, uh so the end of August I moved out here and I had already you know gotten you know rid of the things that you know I needed to get rid of and my soup you know it was my soup and I just didn't see anything I was I was not happy with my soup you know I started and I had rich chicken broth and chunks of chicken and now I have all this stuff in it but you know I came to God and I said this is what I have now, but you've kept me all along, you've allowed things in my life, and you've allowed, um, you know, me to hold back stuff that I knew that wouldn't be good for my soup, even though it was very hard, uh, so, you know, there was uh, one thing missing in my soup, and, uh, it was something that God had been sprinkling in all along, and I never knew, and he said, You know, when you accepted me as a child, I gave you this gift. And I've been sprinkling it in your soup all along. And he's like, I want to give it to you, but... He's like, I I want you to have it, but this time I want you to know that I'm putting it it in your soup. And I'm going to help you, you know? He's like, I have great plans for you. I'm going to do things with you. I'm going to give you that story. I'm going to give you that testimony that I never had. Well, at least I didn't think I had. <laughs> so I said, okay. I was like, all right, I'm going to give it to you. But he was like, you have to trust me and you got to do things my way. And I said, okay, that's fine. And I said, so what is this? And he said, it's grace. It's going to change your soup we're going to work together and um, if you look up grace in the dictionary um, it's uh, to add beauty to, to enhance, um, to bring elegance to and uh, I think um, where I am today um, I, pre- I have a pretty good soup and I'm happy with it <laughs> and I'm very grateful And uh, that kind of, you know, that occurrence happened almost two years ago when I first came to Connecticut and um, it'll be two years this summer and you know, since then, you know, I've just, I just want to be, I just want to stay close to my God and I want him to have all of me and all of my heart instead of just, you know, say, I'll obey you here, but you know, I want this too. But the thing is, when you want things that aren't things that God has for you, you know, the Bible says that it's your, um, it's your, uh, you know, you're enticed by your own desires. You know, they're not the things of God. You try to work things out for yourself. But that's when God's grace comes in. And you say, okay, and it'll work. So, almost two years, and I, you know, God, he's added some noodles to my soup. You know, I'm doing well. I have a rich, beautiful soup, and I'm happy with it. God's going to deal with everyone differently. And, you know, that's how he's dealt with me. And, um, I'm just very grateful. And, uh, you know, I trust that God's going to keep his promises. And, uh, I'm going to share one verse that, uh, you know, that I just, I love, you know, and uh, it's Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and it says, "For I know the thoughts that I think for you, thoughts of peace, not thought of evil, to give you a future, and a hope, and you know, that verse, it just resonates with me, and I believe in it, and uh, I know that it... Um, what God has started, he's going to finish. And, um, just, I give him all the honor and glory. And I just, uh, thank him and I trust him. Um, so next month I graduate from grad school. So that's very exciting. Um, as I said earlier, I had always wanted to be at Dennis. But, uh, January of last year, uh, God put in my heart that, uh, you know, he has uh, other plans for me. And, uh. It's uh, bigger than, you know, what I have thought. And, uh, you know, I want to go to medical school, medical school, and he's put that in my heart. And I've been working. And um, I've been, you know, staying diligent as I possibly can because I, I trust in that hope that he gives. And um, so yeah, I'll be applying to medical school this summer and just keep me in your prayers. And I just, you know, I trust in his word. and. Perfect all that uh, concerns me. So,
0: thank you. That's it. <laughs> so, I don't know if you're ever going to look at soup the same way again, but. <sighs> and was that piece of celery? Was that a boyfriend? Like, were we hovering around that? Ah. Uh, guys will do you in. Um, so, we're going to have one last one come up and share, so it's my dad, and we look radically different. Um, Technically, a stepdad, okay, but he raised me. Every sense of the word, a father figure, there, dependable, uh, providing, playing outside, late night basketball, mom yelling from the window, get inside! One more point, you know, playing tennis, uh, helping me grow, and showing me a model what a man should look like, so that's why I call him Dad. You know, so we look a little different. But hey, he was a dad. He was a father. So he's going to come up, share a little bit, um, and, and then we'll end up closing. So welcome up, uh, Keith Murphy.
4: Hi, everybody. My name is Keith Murphy, and um, Jesus is definitely the chicken in my soup. <laughs> I make soup a lot, actually, and uh, like Jared said, it's going to change for me now. I grew up in, right here in Connecticut, in Newington, um, with my family. Uh, we had a good family. Uh, I'm uh, the youngest of three kids. I have a brother and sister. Um, my parents were, uh, always brought us to church. We went to the Catholic church, and I couldn't wait to get out of there. So when they said, when I was 18, they said, you don't have to go to church anymore. I was like, bye-bye. So uh, it it just really didn't do anything for me. Um, I felt a lot of condemnation there. I thought God was always angry with me, Um, and didn't see a reason to be around Him for that, you know. Uh, And then when you know, being in school and and, uh, being raised, uh, I just wanted to to be popular, probably, and fit in with people. So you know, I embraced the partying lifestyle, and and uh, you know, I always played bass guitar, so I kind of thought I was a rocker and. And uh, wanted to be a rocker, so I lived a, like a rocker, and uh, whatever that may be to some people, but to me it was, you know, getting drunk at an early age, and and, um, and you know, just being a, a nut. So, so I was good at that. I did that pretty well, right, honey? <laughs> and uh, and and it got to the point where I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop drinking, and I was around 22 years old, and uh, I was sick. Of being sick, you know, sick of being drunk, and and I had just had enough, and uh, I cried out to God one night in my bed. I just I was drunk again, and I just said, God, I don't want to be drunk. And He touched me. He touched me from my head to my feet. I just felt um, like a tingling sensation, electricity on me, and I never drank again from that day. Uh, I, I was healed. Um, but there was other things that He needed to take away too. But He took His time with that. He brought me through. Uh, he doesn't often take every single thing out of your life that's gonna be crazy but uh, I wasn't even saved then actually when I got healed of of alcoholism or maybe I was but didn't know it but I wasn't officially saved I still uh, had a long way to go but it only took me about two weeks to realize that I was pretty lonely and um, oh you know I need to mention Henry because he he listens to this Henry told me this guy Henry I worked for Henry Mulvane he said uh, he said God has a plan for your life I was like well mine's not working so I might want to check it out. And I had no idea what that meant, but it, it sparked a journey for me. And uh and that's when I you know cried out to God one of those nights, you know, that, that and that was it for me. That was the beginning of it. And then um I prayed for a girlfriend, and uh a couple weeks later I met my beautiful wife Tammy, and uh and then somebody told me, "Oh, you shouldn't have prayed for a girlfriend. You should have prayed for uh, a wife." And I'm like, "Whatever, man. I just, you know, I was lonely." <laughs> but uh, but about a year later, after dating Tammy for a while, we decided uh, she decided actually to take me to church, and uh, we went to an evangelical free church in Wethersfield. And um, you know, they were given an invitation. They said, "If anybody wants to have Jesus in your heart and you want to go to heaven, uh, come forward." And uh, and I wanted to go forward, but. I wasn't going to go for it in that church, you know, because everybody had a suit on, and I had long hair, and so my wife grabbed me, or my, my girlfriend at the time, grabbed me by the hand and brought me up front, and uh, it was powerful, you know, I was, I was uh, encouraged by her to be up front, and uh, she really is the one that was instrumental in leading me to Christ, and uh, and from then we were on a journey together. Um, we decided we were going to get married, and she had two kids already, Jared and Jordan, and they've been nothing but a huge blessing in my life, uh, to have them, and and then uh, eventually Josh came along after that, and and uh, it was just a phenomenal uh, blessing to have Josh too. But uh, right from right from get go, Jordan said to me uh, when I first met her and walked in the room, and she said, "What do we call her, Daddy?" And I was like, "Uh, you know," and my in my mind I said, "Oh my gosh," and my heart was like, "Yes," you know, my heart right away just. <laughs> I was like yes i 'll definitely be your daddy i 'll definitely be there for you and, that's, uh, and it was a commitment that started right then and there in my heart, and then God worked it out into my brain <laughs> and, uh, and Jared was, uh, was so full of energy all the time you know he 's ready to play basketball or any kind of sport, anything with a ball or a stick or a, a fishing rod, whatever it is and, you know he 's on it, so we were he encouraged me to actually kind of force me to go fishing. I didn't really feel like I had time for it, but he got me fishing, and, and it was a, a great time for us. Uh, growing up, we'd get out fishing, and uh, I'd be frustrated with trying to get the boat in the water and everything. But uh, he was always catching fish, so we had to keep going. And you know, I didn't always handle situations well, right, Jared? But uh, <laughs> but we still had fun. And uh, and as we got older, it got to be more of a time where we could really spend some time and talk and and catch fish. And uh, I always liked I liked it better when he caught a fish than when I caught one. It was always more fun. It still is. <laughs> I didn't use my notes at all, so let me see if I forgot anything. Uh, So God has been faithful in uh, in our marriage. um, Our marriage, like uh, Chris and uh, Wendy's, um, crashed and burned. And uh, and it was pretty much gone completely and, and then Tammy humbled herself and came and talked to me and one night and uh... God spoke through her and and uh, we cancelled the divorce papers and got remarried. As a matter of fact, Jared married us on uh, the beach in Cape Cod. It was pretty cool. It was an awesome ceremony. <coughs> um, in the future, uh, what I want to be when I grow up is uh... I want to be more like Jesus. That's the bottom line. I want to be a better husband, a better father, a better grandfather. Um, that's another thing. We have three grand, uh, two and a half grandkids. We have the two in California and Jared and Julie are expecting the third. So We're excited and ready for that. Um, I've got a ton of verses to give you, but I'm not going to give them all to you, I don't think. One's like 14 verses. <laughs> but I think, where, I think where I'm headed in my future is I, I want to work with kids. Um, I've uh, been coaching Josh's teams on and off. Uh, well, I'm mostly on for the years, and and um, and Jared and Jordans as well. And I love working with kids. I just have a heart for them, especially the ones that don't have dads. You know, I want to be a dad to to the, to the kids that need a dad, that need father's love in their life. That's I think that's my big goal right now. So that's where we're heading. And uh, so some of the verses, like uh, the chicken verse, 29, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plan, only I like the NIV version a little better. For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord's plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And then uh, a verse that uh, <coughs> excuse me, that I really like to share with people is Isaiah 61, verse 3. It just, uh, just one part of it, actually, that, that says that... Um, And He's given us a crown of beauty instead of ashes. And that's what my life has been. It's been uh, beauty for ashes and love for hate. God has changed me. He's continuing to change me. And uh, He's given me so many uh, incredible blessings and riches and abundant life like He promised. So if if you're not sure if you've got Christ in your life or not, get Him. Get off the fence. Make sure. Get Christ in your life and follow Him for the rest of your days. Thanks.
0: Alrighty, so we're going we're gonna to close up. We went a little bit over it, and that's my fault for starting late. Um, what I want to just say in closing is that because it's Easter, He is risen, Resurrection Sunday, that power is at the grave, that rolled away that tomb, that set Jesus free, had Him rise from the dead, is that very power that comes and can live in our life as long as we surrender to it. That same exact power because people can come up here and we can go down the street we can go get some Mormons we can get some Jehovah's Witness and if they change their lives in positive ways to are now like they're better people they're going to have a story too the difference is having Jesus Christ there and having the power in our lives that doesn't just sustain some behavior changes but sustains long term and we'll have many other stories that were just impossible beyond all odds that just things just came through you our marriages that just survived, lives that were changed, miraculous healings that have taken place. It's the same God with the same power. And that's what we celebrate for today. So uh, let's stand up. Let's close in prayer. And um, hopefully I'm not making...